Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 is going to be the text for our study this morning. Uh, before we get right into that, just say thanks for those who are here. <laughs> Several gone, and so we appreciate even more those who are present. And thank you, Cameron, for your comments. You must have stepped out at the Lord's table this morning. Appreciate, appreciate that. Title of our lesson... The one whom you received. And that's taken from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. And that's actually the first part of that verse. And then in the second part of that verse, he says, So walk in him. So based upon the fact that they had received Jesus Christ, then Paul is encouraging them, then walk in him. That's kind of two basic points that are taken from Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. But sometimes we have to remember that uh, basics are important all throughout life. Have you ever heard this expression? Everything you need to know in life, you learned in kindergarten. You ever heard that before? It's like, uh, be sure and be nice to other people. And and be willing to share. And take care of your own stuff and put it up when you're done playing with it. You know, that's, and it's kind of like that, that. That's pretty basic. But those principles really are things that we start teaching early on, but we apply them throughout our life. And so, Colossians chapter two and verse six, Paul says, "Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him." So based upon the fact that you received Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments, then this ought to be the result. This is the way that you ought to walk. Just two basic points. Just kind of basic, but yet fundamental. And we have to understand that Paul is encouraging them to continue to keep applying that. Now here's something else that's kind of fundamental that as we think about Christianity, oftentimes we say we look in three directions when we think about Christianity. We look up and we think about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We look in the effect that Jesus Christ being our Savior has on us and the transformation that takes place within us as Christians. And then we look out. We think about the responsibility that we have towards the world and towards others. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. So basic, you receive Jesus Christ. This is the way you ought to walk. And you think about your relationship with God. You think about what that means to you and the transformation that takes place in your life. And then you think about your responsibility towards the world and towards others. It has been said about the book of Colossians that it's one of the most doctrinal or it's just as doctrinal as the book of Romans. But it's as practical as the book of James. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. When you take a look at the book of Colossians, we talked about it in class this morning, we've been talking about it for a while. Wow, there's a lot of Material that is packed in there. And Paul in that first two chapters 
will pack all of that information in there in regards to Jesus Christ and Him being preeminent. And then in chapters 3 and 4, He'll make practical application of what He taught in the first two chapters. So let me say this as we get into the study this morning. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 is basic and it's fundamental, but it carries with it a lot of application. It's as someone once said in regards to the book of Colossians. It is simple, but it's not simplistic. And we have to keep that in mind as we take a look at this. So the very first thing, and I wanted to emphasize that in the introduction here, there's really two points that are made there in Colossians 2 and verse 6. As you received, and then so walk in him. So first of all, we want to talk about Colossians 2 and verse 6. The first part of that, therefore, as you receive. That word received, as it's used there, carries with it the idea to take to oneself, to join oneself, to accept what this person has said about himself and the claims that he has made. It's suggested in this letter that Paul is, and he is, He's talking about false teaching and he's talking about false teachers. And as we talked about in class this morning, it's probably only been about five or six years since Paul spent almost three years in this area. And now in this short period of time, there's this other teaching, this false teaching that is starting to creep in that he is concerned about. And this false teaching... It's kind of a combination. And once again, we talked a little bit about this class this morning. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to kind of package it together. Because in Colossians chapter 2, I will read verses 16 through 18. He says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you or your, uh, of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Sort of generally, as you give consideration of what Paul says about the false teaching that's taken place there, there's this kind of combination of mysticism. There's this special knowledge that you really need. Paul says over in Ephesians, I wrote to you aforetime in few words that when you read, you can understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so Paul's saying, it's been revealed. I wrote to you, and you can read it, and you can understand it. And yet they're coming along, and they're saying there's sort of this special knowledge that only certain ones might have. In addition to that, there's this paganism, which would draw them back to immorality. And there's this sort of legalism. Let me say this. That's just sort of the package in which this false teaching is coming to them in. The real point of all that is this. 
If you follow after any of these things, then really what is happening is you are depreciating Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul emphasizes in the very first chapter that he has had over all things to creation and he has had over all things to the church which is his body. He is preeminent. He has first place. And if you follow after any of these other things, it depreciates. Oh, Jesus said we would be guided into all truth. But now someone has come along and said, no, 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 no. We need something else. You see what you just did to Jesus Christ? You just depreciated Him. Jesus said that salvation is through His sacrifice. No, 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 no. There's this legalism that you've got to follow. And you see what happens? You depreciate Jesus Christ. And someone comes along and says that you really ought to worship through angels. And when you do that, you're depreciating Jesus Christ. The reason I want to make that point is this. This letter was not written to us, but it was written for us. And if you take anything in place of what has been revealed, then what you did is you just depreciated Jesus Christ. That's important. See, we might not be faced with exactly the same false teachers or the same false doctrine as what they were being confronted with. But the concept is the same. Satan doesn't matter what is being used just as long as it's leading you away from Jesus Christ. And so it comes in a different package. So let me ask you this question then. Jesus taught that the kingdom of heaven, and we've talked about this repeatedly, the kingdom has to do with his reign and his rule. And Jesus said in one of his parables that the kingdom is like a precious pearl. That's his reign. That's his rule. That's what I want to hold on to. That's what Satan's trying to lead me away from. That's what was happening here at Colossae. If I can just lead you away, it doesn't matter the method, just as long as I achieve my goal. So do you think that ever happens today? So here's a few suggestions. I'm too busy to worship the Lord. Or I'm too busy in my everyday life to carve out a little time 
to pray or to read his word, meditate on it for a while, I'm too busy. Do you think the Lord is diminished somewhat when we do that? <clears throat> or, I don't think God is really that concerned about the way I talk, or the places I go, or the way I dress, or any of those kind of things. Just as long as I believe that Jesus is God's Son. Did Jesus just get diminished? Or, I don't really think God cares how I worship Him just as long as I'm sincere. Did Jesus just get diminished? So when Paul writes... He talks about what we refer to as the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And whenever we decide, well, I don't have to be that concerned about what he's revealed in any of these areas, then what I do is diminish. And the reason why we come together is try to exalt Jesus Christ, is it not? So let's put him back where he belongs. And that's what Paul is saying here to the church here. So Paul says, Therefore, <clears throat> as you received, as you accepted him, as you acknowledged him initially, that's the way you should continue to live. That's the way you should walk. And the way in which you receive him has an impact on the way in which you respond to him. Let me give you another illustration real quick. Story's told about a young man meets this young lady. There's sort of this immediate traction, infatuation. And the very first week after they meet, they manage to carve out time every day to see one another. So by the end of the week, this young man not being all that mature, <laughs> says to this young lady, I think we ought to get married. <laughs> She's not all that mature either. She said, I think it's a good idea. <laughs> let's go talk to my dad. And so the young man says, okay, let's go. And so they go. And they talk to her father and they say, we're thinking about getting married. And he looks at both of them. And he goes, it's your life. So a couple days later, they got married. About six months later, they got divorced. Why'd that happen? Well, I want to suggest to you, however you receive something, is the way in which you'll respond to it. Marriage is a God-given institution given by the Lord. A sacredness. 
it ought to be taken seriously. But if you don't take it that seriously, hey, let's try it. If it doesn't work out, we just move on. The way in which you receive something will have an impact on the way in which you respond to something. And Paul has emphasized in, emphasized in the very first chapter that Jesus Christ is head over all things, visible, invisible, physical, spiritual. He is head. He is preeminent. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 and in verse 18. So Paul says, as you received, so walk in Him. So, how did they receive Him? Well, first of all, and I think it's important here in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 when he says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's the way I want us to talk about this. So they received Him as Christ. That word Christ is the Greek. The Hebrew is Messiah and means the anointed one, the chosen one. And that's the way in which they had received Him. He's God's anointed. And I want us to notice this this morning. He's a God's anointed prophet. He's God's anointed priest. He's God's anointed king. And so when Paul says... You received him as Christ. That's what he's making reference to. I want you to take a look at Psalms, the second chapter, first of all. We're going to just talk a little bit for a moment about the fact as their king. Psalms chapter 2, and beginning at verse 6. It says, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And the ends of the earth for your possession. The psalmist says that God said. I have set my king. He is my chosen one. In Psalms the 110th chapter. The psalmist says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That's the exact passage that Peter quotes from on the day of Pentecost. Whenever he's convincing them, convicting them, that the one whom they had crucified is the Lord's Christ. And he quotes from Psalms 110 in Acts chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. Now some people don't want to accept him that way. But that doesn't stop him from being king. When Paul writes the letter to the Philippians in the second chapter, he says that one day everyone will bow the knee and they will confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He said, one day you will recognize. Whether you choose to acknowledge it now or not, one day you will. The sad part about all that is 
when you can no longer stand, it will do you no good to bow. Because then you will be forced to bow. We're offered the opportunity now to willingly bow. Revelation, the 20th chapter, about verses 10 through 15. Satan and all those who oppose him, Revelation says that one day he will cast them into a lake of fire. Paul says, you received him as Christ. That means they received him as the king. But they also received him as their prophet. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 that we talked about this morning. In times past, and at various times and in various ways, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. Now what qualifies Him? Well, if you take a look in John, the 10th chapter, Jesus is telling them on that occasion, he says, the Father and I are one. That's what qualifies him to be that spokesman. And in John, the 14th chapter, as Jesus is with his disciples on that occasion, he said, if you have seen me, You have seen the Father. But I want to read to you from John the 17th chapter. John 17, beginning at verse 7. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given to me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. What's Jesus saying? The words that I have, they came from you. So what were the words that I gave them? It's the ones that I received from you. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He is God's spokesman. And those are the words that he gave to them. So once again, stop and give consideration to that for just a moment. Jesus as God's spokesman. Jesus as our prophet. So when Jesus speaks about salvation, he's saying these are the words that came from the Father. When Jesus speaks about eternity... This is the message the Father wanted me to deliver. When He speaks about heaven, when He speaks about hell, when He speaks about being head over His body, when He speaks about any aspect of life, He speaks as God's prophet. That's why when Jesus gave the Great Commission, All authority 
has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. This was spoken by Moses. Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, beginning at verse 18. And he says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, like Moses. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name I will require it of him. God said a long time ago through Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet and he's going to speak my words and if they don't listen, then I will require that of them. Why didn't you listen? John 12 and verse 48, the same word which I have spoken shall judge you in that last day. He's the king. He's our prophet. He's our priest. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, which we've been talking about this on Wednesday evening. There is one mediator between God and man, that man, Jesus Christ. He's that go-between. He's the one that seeks reconciliation and peace between us and God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. Colossians 1. get there and by him I'll back up to verse 19 for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him He said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I ought to read to you from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7. About verses 26 through 28. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, blameless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily as these these high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses. But the word of the oath which came afterwards after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. And so... Hebrew are saying he's our priest he's our go-between he's the one that offered up his blood and Paul says this is the way you received him you received him as the Christ so you received that anointed priest you received that anointed king you received that anointed prophet but secondly They received him 
as Jesus. Matthew 1 and verse 21. Joseph is deliberating whether or not he should take Mary to be his wife. And the angel comes to him and says, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, And you shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Once again, Jesus is the Greek, the Hebrew is Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. So the angel is saying the message that is coming from God to you is, this is conceived of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to name him Jesus, God saves, because he is going to save his people from their sins. Luke 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. But once again, as we think about that, and as we think about salvation, I think we need to be careful that we don't diminish Jesus. Because a lot of times today, People will just say, well, just, just call on Jesus. Or through Jesus, what can you say? Through Jesus, you can have salvation. And that's true. But sometimes I think it's said sort of lightly. Salvation in the scriptures is actually a radical concept. It's evident from the scriptures that the reason why man is separated from God is because of his own actions. And it's also evident from the scriptures that because man has sinned and because he is separated from God, man on his own cannot reconcile that situation. He has no way to reconcile that situation on his own. But what God has done through His Son is He makes reconciliation possible. And so the Colossians had been taught about Christ and they had been taught about Jesus. God saves. They had been taught about salvation. See what I'm saying is this. Have you ever talked to someone and they will say something like, kind of going through some hard times. Things are a little rough at home or things are a little rough here or whatever it is. I sure could use a little help. I could use a little guidance. I think I'll go to church. Ever hear that? Well, it's always a good idea to go to church. <laughs> but what they're looking for is a little help, a little guidance, a little advice. 
And then if they get a little guidance, a little help, a little advice, and then what happens? Got all the Jesus I need, thank you very much. Away they go. Ever see that happen? That's not what's revealed in the Scriptures. That's not the story that runs from Genesis through Revelation. The story that runs from Genesis to Revelation is, is that man sinned and he's separated from God. And in that condition, he's destined for hell. And if that condition is not reconciled, when this life is over, that's what will happen. Jesus didn't come to give a little advice. He didn't come to give a little help. He didn't come to give a little guidance. He came to bring salvation. To reconcile that situation. Between God and man. Jesus is our Savior. But in 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter in verse 16, you know what Paul says about God? That He dwells in unapproachable light. And the point is, on your own, you can't approach Him. And so He didn't come to give a little advice, a little encouragement, a little help. He came to make it possible for us to be in a right relationship with God. For us to be at peace with Him. For us to be able to approach Him. That's the importance of understanding He's the Christ. He's also Jesus. There's one mediator. There's a high priest who offered His blood. And that's Jesus. And in Acts the fourth chapter and verse 12, it says, There is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved. So that's true. It's Jesus. But we shouldn't take that lightly. And then thirdly, fourth on my PowerPoint, they received Him as Lord. And that word Lord points towards His deity. And in Old Testament... Lord was oftentimes used in connection with that covenant relationship. But in Colossians 1 and verse 15 and Colossians 1 and verse 18, Paul has made it plain that he is sovereign over all of creation, physical and spiritual, and that he is the firstborn. And that doesn't mean chronologically. <laughs> that means that's the position that he holds. Firstborn of all creation. Firstborn from the dead. I want to read to you from the book of Psalms once again. This time in Psalms, the 19th chapter. Because sometimes it happens that once again, people want Jesus as Savior not necessarily as Lord. And when they do that, he's being depreciated. And what we want to show is that he ought to be appreciated. And so as we think about him as Lord, we think about 
listening to, following, doing what He says. Psalms 19, beginning at verse 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Some translations say, renewing. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Remember what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven is like a precious pearl. And when you find that, you go and sell everything else so that you can have that. And see, sometimes people look at Jesus and they think about salvation, but then they think about Lord and it's like, not sure about that. And what the psalmist is saying is, you don't understand what a blessing His words, His commands, His guidance is. Jesus, or, uh, John said in 1 John 5 and verse 3, For this is the love of God. That we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Why is that? Because we recognize the value of them. Jesus says, Why call me Lord, Lord? And then do not as I say. When people want Jesus for Savior but not as Lord, then He's being diminished John in the book of Revelation 19th chapter and about verse 16 talking about Jesus and he says on his robe and on his thigh there is a name that is written there you know what that name is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so Paul writes to the church at Colossae and he says, Therefore, as you received him, so walk in him. The way in which we receive him has a great impact on how we respond to him. And he says, you received him as Christ. You received him as Jesus. You received him as the Lord. Based on that, that's how you should respond. The Colossians have received Christ, Jesus, the Lord. In verse 5 and 6 of that first chapter, Paul says the gospel 
That's the good news. That's all of that. Had come to them just as it had into all the world. And in verse 7 it's suggested that the way in which it came to them was through Epaphras. And verse 9 Paul says, Since the day that we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Why? So that they would remember how they had received Him. And so that they would continue to walk in Him. And so they received Him as Christ. And that means they received Him as their prophet, as their priest, and as their king. They received Him as Jesus. So therefore they received Him as their Savior. They received Him as the Lord. So therefore... He's the one that they belong to because He's the one that purchased them with His blood. And Paul's reminded. So we have to ask ourselves, do we remember how we received Him? Did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? He's our prophet. He's our priest. He's our king. He's our Savior. And the way that we go on depends on how we received it. Well, I extend the invitation this morning to the inner and all that are here. How have you received the Lord? If we can help you in any way make your relationship right with the Lord this morning, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.